0: so this is between a rock and a hard place although it kind of looks like a storage closet
1: but seriously we're here to talk about life in iraq
0: right we've talked about religion we've talked about politics there's only one more thing that we're not supposed to talk about that we're gonna talk about today yep money all the money Which I guess technically we have talked about money because we talked about support raising. And that probably is the more awkward topic of money than this one. It's true. Uh, We're going to talk about how money works in Kurdistan currency, Um, actual physical money, um, as well as, yeah, like odd impacts of that. Neither one of us are by any means economists who know how the, like, economic system in Kurdistan works.
1: No, but we were able to watch and see especially differences from the way things work in the United States and how people thought differently about their lives because of those differences.
0: But if you're looking for an in-depth analysis of money in the Middle East, we, we're not the place <laughs> for you. No. No. <laughs> I think the thing that most people find surprising about money in Kurdistan is that everything is cash-based. There aren't really banks
1: in the way that we think of banks. I mean, banks exist. Right. But banks are more just places where people go to get money. Like, transfer to exchange, or to exchange money not where people places where people store money right like a savings account or even a
0: checking account not not a thing i never saw anyone write a check i don't think they exist right i i feel like if i had tried to talk to my students about that they'd be like what,
1: what? <laughs> why would you trust what somebody wrote down on a piece of paper
0: right yeah which means that people carry around cash all the time. And lots of it. Lots of cash, which can be intimidating and almost feel wrong coming from America, where at this point, I don't, I rarely carry any cash with me. Yeah. And if I do, it's maybe 20 or $30.
1: Right. The only time I carry cash is when I'm traveling to Iraq. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The same. I think
0: that can be intimidating too because you have to carry in all of the money that you're going to need mm-hmm. in cash. Right. And and there are ways to get money once
1: you're there, right. but it's complicated and messy. And there's not just ATMs everywhere. Right. There's not no you know nobody takes very few places take credit cards. I mm-hmm. think that number is growing. Sure. Especially in more touristy type areas. But for the most part, everybody expects to be paid in cash and isn't set up to receive funds any other way.
0: Like, you're going to pay your rent in cash. You're going to... Any of the shopping that you do in your neighborhood is going to be in cash. If you go out to a restaurant, it's all going to be in cash. Mm -hmm. And it was always really interesting on payday, working at the school, you would go up... For one thing, it was never always the same day. (laughs) Um, It was just like... You know, you had to know what the rumor was, like, oh, today is the day that we get paid. And then you'd go up to the accountant's office, and he'd hand you an envelope with the amount of cash that's supposed to be in it. You have to sit there and count it, and then sign this little book that says, yes, I received this much cash. And when you're dealing with large amounts of, of
1: cash, counting cash is is a skill it is and it's not a skill that i feel like i grew up with or really most americans grow up with right because if anything we have machines that count money for us now
0: right um like even when i worked in retail we had a little money counter and you would just put your the bills from your cash drawer drawer in Uh there And it would count it for you. Yeah. And so counting by hand is kind of, like, a fun... I feel
1: like it's impressive now that I can do it. (laughs) People are like, ooh. Well, especially since, again, there, because it's part of everyday life and normal, what everybody does, they have a very specific way of doing it. And I wish, maybe we'll have to take a picture and put it in the show notes or something, but there's a very specific way they hold the bills. Mm -hmm. So that as you count, they're in a different section of your hand so that you don't... So if you have to stop for a moment and have a conversation, you can go back to counting without having lost your spot.
0: Right. Yeah, so it's kind of like, to try to describe it, you kind of like fold the bills in half over your index finger. So they're in a U shape. So they're in a U shape and you use your thumb to push them down and you kind of hold them, like, with your lowest two fingers, ring yeah. finger and pinky. So you're kind of flipping them around to to do another you around your fingers. Or you can leave them flat and straight, too, is the other way. right? But it's so much faster to count money that way. Because
1: it wants to spring forward mm-hmm. instead of you trying to pull money forward right. to count it. Or to it.
0: separate it with... Like if it's in a stack and try to separate it with one hand while the other hand holds it. Yeah, you can almost count money one-handed. Some
1: people can. I saw people do it that way, and it's really they just impressive. Flick it with their thumb, and like they've got it.
0: Yeah, and when you're counting like a huge a hundred over a hundred bills, mm-hmm. you have to find a fast way to count it, and they figured it out.
1: Well, and I mean, part of that comes from the fact that most of the bills, mostly the largest bill you ever find in Iraq is the 25,000 dinar Mm -hmm. bill, which is about $20. Right. Depending on the exchange rate any given day. Mm -hmm. So if you're being paid several hundred dollars for your month's salary. Right. That's a lot of it's like being paid in 20s. It's a lot of bills. It is a lot of bills.
0: Their bills are really beautiful too. Mm -hmm. There are how many would you say common bills? There's the 250 Mm -hmm, dinar. Which is common. Which is kind of like change. They don't really do a lot of coins. Right. Um, There
1: are coins but most people don't use them except for the buses. Oh I never rode a bus. Yeah, you can use the coins in the bus. That's the only way I ever got coins hmm. was
0: through the bus. I never I never even saw <laughs> coins. So not commonly used.
1: But yeah, the two fifty is what people pay for a bottle of water or candy. It's like what you hand to small children who, you know, right are bugging you. And
0: they get like really decrepit because they oh, are shreds. passed around a lot. And so they'll get one that's like tattered and taped together and like Some places will take like a half of one, (laughs) because it's kind of like this doesn't have a lot of value anyway. Right.
1: Then there's the there 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 is a five hundred. I rarely saw them. I had some of those, but yeah, those are not super common. So the next one would be a thousand. Yeah, and those are really common. And they're like
0: tan, dust color, orange. Yeah, almost. And those are almost equivalent to a dollar. Almost, yeah. So they're also fairly common when you get change for something.
1: Right, and it's like what, you know, kids would pay for lunch in the snack bar with, you know, two or three thousand dinar, mm-hmm. or, you know, you buy a sandwich in the bazaar. Or... And those get beat up, too. Mm -hmm. Not
0: nearly as bad as the 250s that I saw. I feel like
1: because they're slightly bigger, they also, I don't know, people don't just shove them in their pockets. Right.
0: Crinkle them up and shove them in their pockets. Although I did see kids do that too. Yeah. Then you have 5,000, which is blue. um, Blue and purple. Blue and purple. And so the the 250s too, we should talk about the size. The 250s are smaller than a dollar bill. Uh Uh-huh. And they're blue. And the thousands are about the size of a dollar bill.
1: Close, yeah.
0: Um, The 5,000s are slightly bigger than that.
1: Bigger, yeah.
0: A little bit longer, a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the
1: 10,000, which was green, is also bigger.
0: Yeah, slightly bigger than the 5,000. And then you get to the twenty-five, and it's almost almost oversized like you can't fit those in a wallet not an american standard wallet no like the 25s and the 10s don't quite like the 10s don't quite fit the 25s definitely Definitely don't don't fit fit. so you end up
1: folding those up a little bit more if you have an american style wallet
0: um yes and they're the 10s are green the 25s are are pink and red pink and red and the 10s and 25s stay new pretty yeah. well because they're not getting exchanged as much. It's not as... It's not uncommon to have them, but it's not, you know, children don't have them. Right. It's you get much them all adults.
1: in, yeah, your, your salary or something, but then you immediately turn them into smaller bills. Right.
0: Or you turn them over to your landlord to pay your rent or make a large purchase of some kind. It's not just like... I need to go down to the corner market and buy
1: some milk. You don't take a 25 for that. No. And if you He do, might not be able to make change for that right? one. If you do, they're like, really? The different sizes and different colors make it much easier for people who either are illiterate Mm -hmm. to be able to use money and use it accurately. So I know old, I know some older people that would talk about the bills by their color, not about by their numbers. And they understood the sense of the difference in value Mm -hmm. without necessarily knowing or having the numerical math skills exactly worked out. And I was told that it also was good for the blind, mm-hmm. that because they, they can feel the difference. feel the different sizes. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I also really liked that the bills are in English on one side and in Arabic on the other side. Uh-huh. It also had the English numbers, which are actually Arabic, and Arabic numbers, which are actually Hindi, on them, which is <coughs> a whole started, conversation. different conversation. But it meant that it was accessible for me to know, like, okay, this is worth this much money. I. It also includes people who don't speak or read Arabic or English, could also figure out by the size and color what the different monies are worth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it makes it a lot easier, which if you're going to be a cash-based society, everyone has to be able to know how to use the cash that you're using. Um, So it makes a lot of sense. It's one of those things that I wish, like, I wish America would do. I wish we would (laughs) make our bills more distinct than they are
1: and more accessible for
0: all people.
1: Yeah, because I've worked with internationals here in Nashville and going through those different bills, like, they can look seem very, very similar to each other, and mm-hmm. if you don't read or you don't know American numbers in a fancy script, then
0: or American presidents and or American important presidents
1: people. important people um then it can be a challenge to yeah. distinguish these different bills like there's a face on one side and a building on the other side and all these scrollies and they're all green and mm-hmm. it can be a challenge. Yeah, I just I really like
0: the kind of rainbow of colors too. It's they really also
1: pretty look fun like, together.
0: It's it's just very beautiful money, mm-hmm. um, in a way that American money has like a lot of beautiful things about it. Mm-hmm. But it's and just a lot of history it's and just all the same colors, all the same color. You can use U.S. dollars to pay for things. Yeah. But only if it's like big things. Like you can't go to the corner store and give them a dollar
1: usually. Oh, right. To
0: buy something.
1: No, I would say hundreds mm-hmm. and sometimes even really crisp clean twenties. Yeah. Are usable currency. Hundreds always. Uh, I mean if not, it's not always. Well, okay. Not always, but even a store, if if they can make the change for it, right. probably will yeah. accept your $100, $100 bill, bill and give you change. I, Obviously, not everyone can all the time. but I, I went into
0: a store once and I only had a $100 bill. Mm-hmm. And I was buying like probably $50 worth of stuff. And so I was like, yeah, this will work. This will be fine. And I handed him my $100 bill, and he looked at it, and he looked at me, and he said, this has seen too many journeys. Yeah. And he handed it back to me, and I was like, it's a $100 bill. And, like, it's not brand spanking new, but I just watched you take a ripped-in-half 250 dinar bill from, like, this small child.
1: Right. But there is that sense of only new dollar bills are okay. Like... Right. Different times, different people are more or less picky about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen bills that had, like, a weird stamp on them get right. turned down. Yeah. They're like, oh, maybe that stamp means that it's counterfeit. Like, right. I mean, to some extent, how do they know?
0: Right. Well, and I was there, and you were probably there, when the $100 bill changed. Yeah. Like, the design of it changed. And I brought some of the new $100 bills. Oh, you did? And tried to exchange it. And I think it was the first time they had seen them, and they were like, this isn't real. (laughs) You're like... And I was like...
1: It is real. It is real. (laughs) This is... You're going to see a lot more of these. Yep.
0: So, like, it works, but sometimes it doesn't work so well. Yeah.
1: I know before I would leave, I would go into my bank and, you know, get my cash out to take with me. And I would always ask, okay, can you get me, you know, clean bills without any stamps or tears or... Especially since I was originally from a pretty small town. Mm -hmm. I got so that I knew it would be easier and better for them if I went in a few days in advance and said, Hey, I'm going to need $2,000, $3,000 worth of clean bills in, you know, in three days. Can I come get them then? And they'd be like, thanks for letting us know. Yes, we'll start collecting the pretty ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, and they understood why. And, you know, we're happy to accommodate me but it was a weird thing being like um i'm sorry i'm gonna have to reject this perfectly good bill because it's got this weird marker mark on the corner that right. someone probably marked on it to test to see if it was legit and it came out legit but the dudes in Iraq are gonna maybe fuss about that mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs>
0: it's time for silly songs with not really i'm not gonna sing um but i do want you to share this podcast if you have a chance even if you don't have a chance this is your chance so share this podcast with someone who you think would find it interesting someone who loves to travel someone who hates to travel someone who doesn't have their passport because everyone should have a passport now back to your regularly scheduled programming Mm. Are a couple of different ways that you can exchange dollars too
1: which i found was generally the better way to do it mm-hmm. not just to try to go to your local corner store with a hundred dollar right. bill and hope they could give you change yeah
0: i gave up on that pretty quickly so you can go into a bank
1: mm-hmm. and exchange
0: it's kind of complicated it's a little complicated we, sometimes they're not open We sometimes could do it through the accountant at school and be like, "Hey, we have two or three hundred American dollars. Can we come in and give you the the U.S. dollars? Because the school could use them more easily
1: than for yeah. Really large purchases are often. I feel like more often done in dollars Mm -hmm. than in like if you're going to buy a car or right. It's almost all like those ones would be almost more likely to be in dollars. Right.
0: So we would do that sometimes. They didn't really love that we did that. Mm. Uh, and eventually they were like, yeah, we can't do this for you anymore. Which is totally understandable. But the main way that most people exchange money is you go down to the bazaar and there are all these guys sitting there with, like, boxes with cash
1: in them, stacked, stacked up with a rubber band around it. Yeah, like, a lot of them in Suli in would be, like, this little tiny cart Mm-hmm. And it's got even, like, this kind of glass frame up on it, and they've got all these different bills taped up so that, like, some from different currencies to show which currencies they'll exchange, because those places will also exger- exchange euro or sure. pounds or, you know, lots of different currencies. Mm-hmm. Like, stacks and stacks of dinar and dollars and things, and you're just like, whoa, there's so much money right there!
0: yeah. It's really the first time, especially. It's like, is this like, is this okay? <laughs> you're, you're. It it feels a little not underhanded, but kind of like black markety, unsafe. Like,
1: yeah, it feels unsafe. I mean, and to some extent, it kind of is black market in the sense that it's not tracked or sure. organized by the government system or mm-hmm. banks. Yeah, like,
0: they'll usually write you, like, a receipt that says, you gave me this much U.S. dollars, I gave you this much mm-hmm. dinar. And then you're kind of expected to stand there, again, stand there and count it count in front it. of them.
1: It's and not like, rude. You can also shop around for the best exchange rate. Because there were some places too, that I eventually found and knew that were more offices Mm -hmm. inside the bazaar that were a little deeper, and sometimes they would give you better rates, and sometimes the people out on the street would give you better rates, and it just depended on the day.
0: And that's where language skill really comes into play. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if you ever ran into this, but in De Hook, as a woman, I couldn't really exchange money. Oh really? I needed to go with a man because it was always men that mm-hmm. had the money. And women don't have control over their money in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the men would be like, Where's your husband? Almost. Mm-hmm. Like, where did you get this money from? It's suspicious to suspicious them. Suspicious that you that have money. A woman would have, you know, seven hundred dollars in cash or whatever and so I almost always had to go with male teammates or get I had a couple male teachers at the school who would take my money and exchange
1: it for me Hmm. yeah I don't know that I I mean there were definitely times I went with people on my team but more that we would just go do things together because it was easier to navigate the bazaar that way. But no, I certainly went and exchanged money on my own in Suli, but Suli was a little less conservative yeah. than to And they may have thought I was really weird and I just didn't pick, up, didn't on pick up on it. I would also have
0: students that would be like, miss, if you have American dollars, like I'll give you Iraqi dinar for them. Mm. I almost never did that. It, that felt really sketchy to mm-hmm. me. And I don't, I don't think it really was. I was just kind of like, I don't want to start this like, oh, if you want U.S. dollars, Miss Hannah always has that, and she'll, she'll trade you some for sort
1: them. of weird money laundering scheme that right. you're not really part right. <laughs> privy but to. I was like, no, no, not, not okay <laughs> with me.
0: Another consequence of them being cash based. Is that there's not a lot of petty crime as far as, like, people aren't going to steal cash
1: from you. Like, pickpocketing. Pickpocketing, burglary, like, all of those kinds of things that we think of as common in Europe or other places. Like, it really doesn't happen hardly at all. There will be people begging
0: sometimes. Oh, a lot of the time. A lot of the time. But they're not going to, for the most part, they're not going to approach and annoy you about it. And it, it did get worse after, um, ISIS. There were a lot more people who had nothing. But for the most part, you know, if you're at a, in a taxi at a stoplight, they're not going to come up and like bang on the windows mm-hmm. and beg you for money. Right. Most, some of them will be trying to sell you gum or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty common. So it's very rare that people are going to be, like, accosting you, which is different than experiences I've had, like, in India, where anytime you go out in the
1: street, children are going to follow you around screaming at you to give them money. I've never heard of anything like that happening or anyone getting anything stolen from them in public. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I've only ever heard of one person, and it was kind of... Wrong wrong place, wrong time, and the person who did the stealing was their family and everyone that knew them was like, There's something wrong with them. It wasn't
1: a need to steal the money, uh-huh. they were just like unstable. Well, and I've heard of people having money stolen from them by family members sure. or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But not just the random street crime that right. you see in Europe. Right.
0: It was really weird. Um, going to Athens and being like, oh right, I have to think about people will take things out of my pocket, or they will try to grab my purse and run, and so I need to be more vigilant about it.
1: We've had multiple trips go to Greece and have things stolen. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the entire time I lived in Iraq, right. I, I never heard of any of my team members in any of those cities have anything mm-hmm. stolen.
0: From oh, them. I've even like had cash that was in my pocket fall out of my pocket. And some little kid pick it up and bring it to me and be like, here, sorry, you dropped this. They don't want to take it from you,
1: which is kind of amazing. I mean, and that's why those dudes can sit on the street with piles of cash right. and not fear for their mm-hmm. livelihoods. And yeah. even people, you know, you think about what, what do we use banks for? Like, some of it is that safety or or savings. But even the people, like, people keep stacks of cash in their homes, like, their entire life's Savings yeah. in places. I don't know where in Sometimes American parlance safes. it's under their, you know, mattress. Right. I kind of doubt that that's actually where it's at, right. but you know.
0: I think it's interesting too. Another thing we use banks for is to get loans. Um, we borrow money, and that doesn't exist in that form in
1: Kurdistan. No, people don't really get loans. Except from family members in
0: cash. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, if you want to buy a car and you don't have all of the money that you need, you would go around to your family and say, Hey, I want to buy this car. I have this much money. I need this much more. Mm -hmm. Can you give me something? Mm -hmm. I will pay you back. Houses are the same way. I want to buy a house. I need this much money. And so there's there's more accountability for you as the loanee of, like, I will pay this money back and there's more of a check on like do you really need this? Your family is not just going to give you money for for the most part they're not just going to give you money for things that you don't need. So there's and they a also more know what you need. And sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, I can help you get a car for cheaper than that or I can get help you buy a better house somewhere else." So there that's that's kind of a nice thing too. All the networking
1: that happens through that kind of shared cash expense category Mm. is not something that we do here in the, I mean, partly we're just so individualistic. It's another way that society there is much more communal. If we want to go buy a car, we go by ourselves to buy a car or go to the bank and get a loan or go to the I don't know. I actually haven't ever bought a car by myself.
0: <laughs> so. You you go to the bank and you get a loan, and
1: then you go and, and buy your you car. Go and buy your car. It's a much more like me and maybe a friend, you know, or mm-hmm. family member who is a advisor. Right. But it's not a communal process.
0: Mm-hmm. I think Wasta also plays into that to some extent. That someone may loan you money, and even if you pay it back, you still kind of them so there's they, your interest right when they come around and need something from you they'll be like hey i loaned you money well yeah but i paid you back yeah but still i was there for you in your time of need right so now that i need you for something completely unrelated you owe me to mm-hmm. some extent
1: So, yeah, there's your interest. Yeah, good point. I think, too, it plays in with things like, I mean, the way we have in the U.S., like a credit score. Mm -hmm. Like, in some ways, your WASTA is your credit score. Or even your behavior, whether or not you're considered a reliable person in your family, can all be part of that social credit.
0: Which is, is, makes it difficult as a foreigner, to do some of the things that would be typical for a national, because we don't have a family that we can, like, I want to buy a car. I need this much cash. We don't have family members that we can be like, hey, can you loan this to me? And if you want to buy a car in Iraq, probably no bank in the U.S. is going to give you a car loan to be (laughs) able to do that. (laughs) No way. So you have to rely on supporters or your sending agency or yourself yeah. To to get those funds together to do that. Which is fascinating and I can't imagine what Kurds think when Americans roll up with loads of money to buy a car when they're like, Who's giving you this money? But I mean that's maybe they part assume of... our families do it. I, I
1: don't think know. they probably do. Yeah. And in some ways, if it's coming through supporters, it is our family. Yeah. That as Christians we have a family in the church that supports us in some of the same ways Mm -hmm. as Iraqi families. We are a community. I think, too,
0: I I did have students who knew about credit cards because the more well-off families will open bank accounts in Germany or Switzerland or wherever. Other countries. Other countries and get credit cards. And so, you know, they're... Kids will be like, yeah, I bought this online. Where online buying is a thing that does not happen there. Right. One, you can't get anything shipped there very easily. Mm -mm. And two, nobody has credit cards because there aren't any banks to issue credit cards. So you have to be able to leave the country and establish some sort of home address somewhere Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. to be able to get a bank account. So credit cards are almost a status symbol in some ways.
1: Absolutely. And there are even businesses now that are based in Europe and the U.S. where you can have your item shipped from Amazon To their office in your name, and then they will bring it to Kurdistan for you because you can't get it shipped there and call you up, and you can come to their office and pick it up. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. It's it's a weird niche Mm -hmm. that exists for a very select clientele. And
0: so, as an expat, getting to use that service is always a little bit like this is both too many hoops for me to have to jump through and also like the best thing in the whole world because <laughs> it didn't exist when i lived there so i'm a little it, it started as i like within my last year or two i got a couple of things through through that that was just like this is so cool <laughs> which you know now i live in america and amazon delivers to my doorstep so it's less cool but um, but for there
1: but for there it's the idea that you could order almost anything in the world and get it mm-hmm. is kind of i mean and, and rightfully so, kind of mind boggling. It is. For a country that has been cut off from the
0: rest of the world for most of its existence. Mm-hmm.
1: But honestly, even that it exists here. If we really think enough about it, <laughs> it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, delivery
0: anything is probably <laughs> my favorite thing. We could do a whole... We're not gonna because that's about America. But we could do a whole podcast about how much I love having things delivered. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful and complicated and, and blows my mind.
1: So, don't take the things you have for granted. Right? Yes.
0: Maybe go out. Don't go out tonight. Just order in. (laughs) People will bring food to your door. (laughs) And you don't even have to give them cash. You can do it all through, like, the internet. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. But also, uh, take into consideration how your life would be different if you did live in cash-only society. Mm-hmm. I know some people do that for budget budgeting. Mm-hmm. They choose to only pay for things in cash. Imagine if that was the only pay- way you ever paid for
1: anything ever. How
0: how different society would look.
1: And how differently you'd think about what saving meant or investing mm-hmm. meant. And we'll uh, talk to you later. You can find us at servant Group national on facebook or instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org
0: yeah and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet send us an email or facebook message we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening you've chosen the wrong podcast (laughs) um